think it's very relevant to where each and every one of us are. And so I pray this morning that uh, you would have a heart not only to listen but to receive and then make some application in your life. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the, uh, to the gospel, to the book of James. I was thinking of John, actually. The epistle of James, chapter number two. And we'll begin reading in verses 14 through 26. The book of James, verses 14 through 26. You can say amen when you get there. I usually go on two or three amen, so I got five or six, so I'm out of here. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Everybody say dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is what? Dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect or complete. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Amen. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab, the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? But as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We open our hearts. We say this morning, fill our cups, O Lord. We understand, Lord, the mission, the task that you have given us, the church, to fulfill in the earth. And it is a gigantic one. Lord, we understand that we cannot fulfill this mission, Father, unless you speak, God, direct, fill us, teach us, motivate us, move us, shake us. I pray this morning that there would be a shaking this morning. I pray, Father God, that as I speak, that none of me and all of you, I'm just a conduit, speak through me exactly what you want your people to hear. Father, we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This morning, I want to title my sermon, Faith Works, not Fireworks, Faith Works. There are many misconceptions about what real faith in God means. Some folks believe that it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you sincerely believe in whatever faith you believe in. But how many know that there are, there are people that can be sincerely wrong? There are a lot of sincere people that will end up in eternal destruction. How many know that David Koresh, back in the early 90s, was sincere when all those folks died in Waco, Texas? He sincerely was wrong. Jim Jones, when he had all those folks murdered in, in I believe, in Africa, uh, South Africa, South, South America. And I don't know how many people were that, that actually drank this poisonous Kool-Aid, but how many know Jim Jones was sincerely wrong? Some people believe that faith is a tool to get God to give me what I want. God is, to some folks, like a spiritual bellhop. I kind of put him in a corner, just like that little lying over there, but then when I have a problem, when I have an issue, when things are not going right, then, Lord, can I borrow you for a few minutes to help me fulfill my agenda? Everybody say bad faith. And some even believers think that faith in God simply means that I sit back and I just See what God will do. And in other words, I won't do much. I'll just sit and wait. Some people literally take their word wait to mean like, wait, I ain't, I'm not going to do anything. And we're going to dispel some of that way of thinking as we're going to expose what real faith is. Recent poll reveals that I want you to hear me. I got to build this up. Y'all pray for me. Amen. Recent poll reveals that 83%, 83% of Americans call themselves Christian. 83, not 10, not 5, not 25, not 30, but 83%. Of Americans, that means the whole nation identifies and call themselves Christians. I have a little problem with that. Because I don't see Christian actions flowing out of the core of this nation. Jesus said it this way, that the tree is known by its fruit. Don't talk me to death. What, where is the beef? Like the little lady used to say. Some of y'all don't know about that. Where is the beef? Because if this nation was 83% Christian, I will tell you this. There would be a lot less violence. There would be a lot less killing, a lot less marital infidelity, a lot less stealing and homosexuality. I just thought I'd throw that in there. A lot less oppression and hate. None of that characterizes who Christ is. 
None of it. And so when I hear these, this stuff, I, I, I stop and think to myself, okay, where is this thought process coming from? Because you see, many people, you know, they, they, you know, we was knocking on some doors yesterday, and what many people believe is because my mama took me to the Baptist church. My mama took me to the Episcopalian church. And back when I was a little kid, I went here, I went there, and you know what? And I've been to that church down the street, and, and I did this, and I've given a little bit there, and therefore I am a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. There are many people in church, unless they will repent, they will spend eternity in hell. Repent means turn your life over to Jesus. Not, now you see, this is the urgency of the moment. Because what are we to do when people just simply say to us, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, and yet you look and you say, well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I when I met Brother Troy, some months ago, it didn't take me long to figure out who he was. Because he has the same spirit of God in him that I have in me. And what happens is when those spirits sense each other out, there's a connection. But there are some folks, I have people you know, that I work with that tell me that they are Christian. And every time you talk about God or anything on the radio, say anything about Christ, they don't want nothing to do with it. It's like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want nothing to do with that. What kind of Christian are you? Because let me tell you something. We can sit back and just let people think they're okay with God. See, that's part of the devil's trap, to make people think, oh, it's okay. You're fine. You don't have to change. I mean, all you got to do is be sincere. All you got to do is love people and respect people and and be nice to people and pay your bills and don't rob nobody, don't hurt nobody. That's all you have to do and everything will be just fine. We are accountable. Everyone in here who has Christ's spirit living on the inside of them, are accountable. And we're going to be accountable to God with what we do with this salvation that we have. Every single person in here is accountable to God. Every one of us. The Bible says that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar, in other words, the church is what truth is all about. It's where it comes from. The church is the pillar. It's the ground of truth. People have, if people don't know the truth, where else are they going to get it from? They're supposed to be able to come to the church, and the church is supposed to define what it is. A real Christian, by the way, is a person who has surrendered their life to Jesus. Amen. That's good. That's right. Just because you have intellectual knowledge about Jesus don't mean a thing. <sighs> intellectual knowledge don't make you a believer. Because I know about church. I hear about Jesus. 
I know some stuff. You know, there are people who, who can talk you to death. Isn't that right, Jaime? They can talk you. They can talk a good game. But that ain't never saved nobody. You got to come to a place where you give over your life to this thing. Where the real Christians stand up. Not what we're seeing today. I'm glad that the Bible, I'm glad that the word of God gives insight into this thing. Jesus said in Matthew 7, you can write these down if you like. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate. Everybody say narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Did you hear that? He said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. How many know that this is a narrow road? You got to be willing to be a fool for Jesus. You got to be willing to be ostracized for Jesus, laughed at, talked about, and rejected for his sake. Every disciple, every apostle went through it. And they were the laughing stock to many people. People watched them and laughed. They were ridiculed. They were talked about like they were nuts. But the Bible says that the people of this world are not worthy of such people. This world is not worthy of people that are sold out to Jesus. So the hard fact is, hear me, and I say this with all the love that I can muster. The hard fact is that if your faith doesn't move you beyond belief into the way you live, then it's not real faith at all. If your faith doesn't move beyond belief into the way you live, you'll be talking about your life. Then it's not real faith at all. It is something but not saving faith. The faith whereby it identifies with Christ. So let's examine, if you will, the book of James. James asked a rhetorical question. He asked a question. Rhetorical means that he asked a question. Sorry. Bear with me. That better? Maybe you didn't notice any difference, but the recording will. Um, James asked a rhetorical question, means he's asking a question that he already knows the answer to. He asked the question, well, what does it, well, first he says, what does it profit my brother if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Or if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm, feel, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? So James poses this question. Now, I got, I got to say this because you will discover this if you haven't already. There are a lot of people that will use the book of James to promote a heresy that you have to work your way into heaven. 
Now, we understand in Ephesians 2.8 that we are saved by grace through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Nobody in here is that savvy, that unique, that pretty, that wonderful that you can save yourself. We are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Not by works. Nobody can brag. If you're sitting here today and you have been saved by his blood, all you can do is thank him. You had nothing to do with it. Don't think for one moment that you are all of that, that you somehow can pull this off with your own strength, because you can't. So, we, so, so Orthodox Christianity, we understand that we're saved by grace through faith. Romans 5.1 says that we are justified by faith. Romans 4, verses 1 through 4, says that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Which begs the question, now, what is James talking about when he says that faith alone can't save you? You have to have some works. Now, I got you thinking, I know. See, there, a, there is an apparent contradiction, and I want to underscore apparent. Because many people say, well, see, that's proof. Because there are some folks out there, you know, even in Christian circles who believe that, 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 that you got to work your way in. That you got to do everything you can to keep it because God will just drop you in a minute if you act up. I don't, <laughs> I don't live that way. I live every day secure in my relationship with him. I know my father loves me. He accepted me. He washed me in his blood. He set me, set my feet on solid ground. And I'm secure in that. So what in the world is James talking about? Has James lost it? Is James going against all that the apostles and everybody else would teach? What is James talking about? Let's, let's examine the text. See, the, the writer, first of all, the writer here is talking about saving faith versus dead faith. I want to say that again. Saving faith versus dead faith. Because there is a kind of faith that is dead. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, if you will. Jesus kind of alluded to this. Now, if this verse don't shake you to the core, I am a, I've been a believer for 20-some years. And, and let me hasten to say that this particular verse scares me. That's how powerful this verse is. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Look at this. Jesus said it this way. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look up on the screen. We have it provided there for you. He says, now watch this. Not everyone who says to me. Now, this is Jesus talking. Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Let's just stop there for a moment. 
He said, not everybody say to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, not everybody say to me, just because you say Jesus or you can say Jesus or you know something about Jesus, that won't get you in. He said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But watch this. He who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And Jesus will often say that they, they will ask him, say, what's the will of the father? He said, believe on him who God has sent. But see, when you believe on him who God has sent, watch this now. When you believe, everybody say believe, believe. on him who God has sent, that belief will translate into some action. People can say all kinds of things and people will tell you stuff, but it's not in what they say, it's what they what? Do you hear? Do you hear what the Lord is saying there? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. Watch this. Verse 22. Now, this is scary. But many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Now, these are people that know Christian language. These are people that know church stuff or Christianese. He says, but Lord, Lord, we prophesied. Now, now, mind you, this, this is the picture of a person who is in heaven who's trying to get in. This is, our, this is a serious. See, this is serious. This is a person who's trying to get in. He said, but wait a minute, God, I prophesied. I prophesied in your name. And, 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 and in fact, I, he takes a step further. He said, I even cast out demons except the one that was in him. He said, I cast out demons. And not only that, but I've done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. See, Jesus is kind of tapping. See, because a lot of people think just because they can say something about Christianity, because they have a little bit of Bible knowledge, that that'll get me in. But how me know it takes more than that. This thing calls for your life. It's a thing that kept me out of church for many years. I grew up, my mom had me in church diapers. And I ran from God as fast as I could because one thing got, that got ingrained in me was that if I'm going to give my life to him, I got to give my life to him or just leave it alone. I knew I couldn't be this way. You see the picture? One foot in the world, one foot in God. I knew I couldn't do that. He said he would spit me out if I did that. God, don't, God did not come to, to, be a part, to be a part of your life. You know, I, you know, I, hear people, I want to thank the Lord Jesus for being a part of my life. What? You have no life. Excuse me? A part of your life? You want to thank the Lord for being a part of your life? Really? I, see, I even seen some people get bold and put a, a bumper sticker on their car and says that Jesus is my co-pilot. How many of you have seen that? Excuse me, co-pilot? You're in the wrong seat. So what in the world is James talking about? James says in verse 17, going back to James, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
James is making the argument. He's not, he's not, listen, he's not saying that what the apostle and everybody else taught about, you know, we get into heaven by faith in Christ. No, 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 he's supporting that. He's affirming that. But what he's saying, though, if you really get saved, if you really believe, it's going to produce works out of your life. Real faith. Not that kind of faith that we see today where 83% of Americans say they're Christians. They say they're Christian. They say they're Christian. But, 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 but the kind of faith that when I believe, James, here's, what, here's what James is saying, that when you really have faith in God, real faith, what's going to come out of your life is the character of Christ. Now, now, we struggle. Nobody is perfect. We understand all that. But real faith changes you. If your faith don't change you, you don't have real faith. All you got is, do anybody need interpretation? Talk. Talk is what? Boy, y'all preaching good this morning. Talk is cheap. So let's, so he says, faith without works is dead. So he's saying that, that don't, 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 no, 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 don't, don't come talking to me about that. I need to see some evidence. If this is who you are, then I need to see something that tells me this is what you're doing. The teacher in the classroom said, you, know, you, you, say you, you say you know the information, take the test. And pastor, show me. If you know it, show me. If you're a believer, show me. Where's the beef? Where's the fruit? What's coming out of your life? But, he, but look at it. He says now, look at, look at verse 19. He says, now you believe that there is one God. You do well. Watch this. But even the demons believe, and they tremble. They're scared to death. But what's the difference? Because, see, demons don't really believe him in the sense that we are supposed to believe in him. Demons have an intellectual knowledge. Understand? They know who he is. When Jesus showed up on the scene, they knew. Because Jesus knocked those dudes all around all the time. He always showed his power over the enemy. And, and the interesting thing, you know, when they got ready to kill Jesus, it was a, I think it was Pilate. Pilate said, do you not know? And they kept trying to get him to talk, and Jesus was just stood there being silent. And they were just accusing him, saying all these things about him, and Jesus didn't say a word. And the one time that somebody said, but Pilate said this one thing, Jesus had to put him in his place. He says, look, 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 look. Pilate said, now, do you not know that I have power to kill you or to crucify you? And Jesus, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> You have no power over me. It was given you from above. You got no authority over me. You got to understand that. Now stay quiet. No one take my life. I lay it down. That's power. Real power. It's I lay it down. So folks who got intellectual belief, you know better than a demon. Because he's talking about belief that says, I embrace you, I receive you, and I give my life to you. Yeah, that's, right. ah, that's belief in Jesus. Not, I know him. To our kids, we got to tell them, we got to let our children know. Watch this. See, sometimes our kids grow up and they think that because you're in the house with mommy and daddy, then you're Christian. 
You can come to church every Sunday with mom and daddy. That doesn't make you a Christian. At some point, you've got to make up in your mind that you're going to live your life to this and give your life to this thing. He said, the devil believe. The devils. And, and how many know the devil ain't going to heaven? <laughs> oh, no. They got a place they're going. And it ain't got nothing to do with heaven. And, but but, but let's, let's keep going here. It says now, look at this. It's a, but look at verse 20. But do you not know, oh foolish man? Now he keeps saying, this is the second time he's about to say this, that faith without works is dead. You think James trying to make a point? <laughs> he wants us to get this, don't he? He, he, he's saying that the, don't, don't talk me to death now. Don't, don't be telling me you love Jesus and, and, and you don't want to come to church. Don't be telling me you love Jesus and you don't want to fellowship with the believers. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you don't want to read your Bible. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you don't want to pray. Don't tell me you love Jesus you won't have anything to do with Jesus except for when you need him. Oh, gosh. See, that's what James is saying here. Real faith produce works. I'm saved not because I work my way in. I'm saved. I work because I'm saved. You see? I don't work to get saved. I work because I have already been saved. Got it? I've been changed. He says, look at this. He says now, was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. Now, Genesis 15, 6. You got that verse, Dive? Genesis, Genesis 15, 6. Look at this verse. And write it down if you don't have it. Genesis 15, 6. It says this. And he believed, talking about Abraham. Now, Abraham is considered the father of our faith. It says now, and, and, and he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. See, he believed. That's all he did. He just believed. So understand, but, but James says, but, but James says this. James said, well, but Abraham was justified by what he did. But he's saved because he believed. Belief produces works. Now watch. Now, 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 how many know about, I just leave it on the floor. I'm just done with it. Hallelujah. I keep it there. Hallelujah. So, Abraham believed God. And how do we know that Abraham believed God? Because in Genesis chapter 22, we don't have time to read it. I'm, gonna par- you know, I'm just going to paraphrase. God, Abraham had been waiting for 20-some years for his son. God had said, look, I'm going to give you a son. Through your son, your loins, all the families of there is going to be blessed. All right? Now, so God comes to Abraham one day and says, Abraham, take your son. The only one you got, the one that you love, take him, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. Now, if, now, if God came and said that to any one of us parents, do you think that we might want to have a conversation with God? Like, God, uh, I know you never sleep or slumber, but uh, are you serious? I would. I would be like, no, 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 no. You mean, I, I prayed for this. I believed for this. 
I cried for this, and you want me to offer it up. Sometimes God will make you offer up stuff you put blood, sweat, and tears in. Because it ain't his. Sometimes God will ask you to do some crazy stuff. And, and it don't make sense. And you read, but you know, this, the scripture says, and let's read it in your spare time, but it doesn't even give any evidence that Abraham tried to t- talk God out of it. He's called the father of our faith for a reason. The brother was crazy. Crazy. Crazy faith. Abraham drops right up, and he goes to take his son up, right up that mountain. He take him up there. He put the wood out there and everything. He's getting ready to, to sacrifice his son. And, and the and boy said, I, and Isaac said, wait, 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 God. Hey, look, I, I, see, I see the wood and the fire, but where's the, where's the, lamb? Where, where's the lamb? Where's the ram? Where's the lamb? He says, uh, don't worry about it. God is going to provide. God will take care of that. And the Bible says that that, that that boy laid there and Abraham took that thing. Abraham knew. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says that Abraham believed that if God told... See, first of all, he knew that God made him a promise. Amen. So he had to have known that even if I killed the guy, even if I killed the boy, that God would raise him back up. Yeah. So he knew that God made a promise. And how do we know when God makes a promise, he is faithful yeah. to his word. Amen. He is faithful. Yeah. We serve a faithful God. And Abraham takes it, and he's like, he, I mean, he ain't like somebody like, okay, God, please hurry up, hurry up. God, I'm about to do this. Come on. God. No, the brother was gone. And the angel had to, God had to send an angel to take it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Boy, I know. Now I know I can believe in you, Abraham. I know you're a man of faith because you believe me and you do what I say. Real faith does what he says. Faith. Without works, it's dead. Real faith without works is dead. And so when you see people talking about faith and they telling you about how much they love Jesus and, and, and they ain't no bit more interested in Jesus than the man on the moon, they could care less. Then you know something is wrong. And that's when you need to pray and say, Lord, open their eyes that they might see. So he says, now watch this. In verse 26 of James chapter 2, he says it again. How <laughs> do you know sometimes God just he keeps saying stuff over and over again because we're dull of hearing? So he, he says it just in case somebody misses it. He says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. <laughs> that, that's how many times, if you, if you know math, and this, you don't even have to be that bright. How many times did he, did he say faith without works are dead? Oh, yeah, I did that. I helped you out. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. See? Three times he keeps saying faith without works is dead. So you can tell people who say they believe it. So where's the beef? Where's the evidence, brother, sister? I know you say you say you love the Lord and stuff, but. I mean, I can't peer into your heart, but I know what a fruit tree look like, and I know what an apple tree look like, I know what an orange tree look like, I know what a peach tree look like, I know what a cherry tree look like. Isn't that right? They were picking cherries yesterday. I know what a fruit tree look like. (laughs) 
Hebrews 11.6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Boy, if that don't get you on fire, I don't know what else will. He said, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And not only that, but you got to believe that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Yeah, let's talk about faith as a practical matter, because we talked about saving faith, but then there's a practical side of faith whereby we Christians, where we live every day. Because saving faith, there has to be action to it. But watch this. But, but practical faith as a daily matter also has to have action to that as well. Faith equals action. Whether it's saving faith or whether it's you being saved and believing God for something you got to show your faith some action to support what you say you believe. So he says, faith. So, so, so first of all, we got to know that without faith, we can't please God. We got to believe that he is. We got to believe that he rewards. And he's saying that if you really believe, if you come to him with faith, then you're going to demonstrate by what you do that you believe what he says, i.e. this. See, for example, we went knocking on doors yesterday, right? You went knocking on now, 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 we could easily sit by and we can just say, for example, we will believe in God that these chairs are full up. And we want to see God's kingdom increase. But how many know that more than likely we're going to see God's kingdom increase he requires us to act in faith. Faith. That you act like there's something in your life that signals that you really believe that what you believe in God for will come to pass. I, I know y'all sitting there, I got you hanging, but I'm going to bring it home in a minute. See, real faith, whether it's saving faith or faith as a practical matter, produces actions. Everybody say action. action. You believe in God for something? So then, then, then what have you demonstrated to show that you believe God? I'm believing God to restore my finances and to help me. Okay, what faith, what actions are you taking to show that you believe that God is going to help you? I'm sick of my body. I need God to heal me. Okay, then what actions, what are you doing? When you say you have faith, what are you doing that prove or that will suggest that I really believe that God is going to heal me? See, turn to, turn to what is it, Mark chapter 5. It's a wonderful story. Mark chapter number 5, if you will. And I think you'll get it. You'll get the picture right here story of a woman who was, uh, who was hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. I'm not a doctor, but uh, if you're hemorrhaging blood for 12 years, that's a lot of blood loss. Okay? Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Chapter number, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Watch this. I got to get there. I told you to get there. Now I got to get there. Watch this. And let's start at verse number 24. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman, I like how the scripture always says a certain woman, you know, it's just a certain woman. It's like, there's nobody famous. 
Nobody popular, nobody who got all the money. A certain woman. That means it's an ordinary person. Some of us think that we got to be all this in a bag of chips. You just got to have faith. You just got to believe God can use you. You just got to believe that he can bring about a miracle in your life, no matter who or what you are. You can be seven. You can be five. You can be three. And God will produce a miracle in your life if you choose to do it, because that's who we serve. Watch this. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years, and she has suffered many things from many physicians. That means they all, they, they, they just kept taking her money, but they weren't healing her. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You see it today. She has spent all, everybody say all. All that she had, and she was no better. But in fact, she got worse. <laughs> but when she heard about Jesus, <laughs> she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, now this is her talking to herself. I know the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of blood, and, and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of, that, of, of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Ah, and, but, but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, ha, she, she just got her breakthrough, knowing what had happened to her. See, sometimes God does stuff in your life, and you can't explain it to people. You just have to be quiet. Yeah. He, she came, and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And watch this now. And he said to her, daughter, your what? Faith. Your what? Faith. Your what? Faith. Has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. We're talking about faith. Now, let me, let, me, let me help you a little bit. She could have stayed in her room and waited for Jesus to parade by. And said, I'm just going to sit here, and when he come by, I'm going to wait for him to heal me. I'm just going to believe that he's going to heal me. I'm going to sit right here and wait. No, 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 no. That sister, her faith made her get up out of that chair, hemorrhaging blood and all. And she said, I got to get to him. I'm going to get to him. She, she pressing through the crowd. I imagine that she was knocking some folk out of the way. Because you know, you get desperate, you really don't, you'll step on a couple of toes and keep going. You ever met people like that? They just, they just, they seem rude to step on you and knock and they just keep going back. They ain't worried about you. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I'm on a mission. <laughs> I, I need God to move. I don't have time to sit back and try to say excuse me and try to apologize. I don't have time for that. I need God to move. This woman got up. Real faith will make you get up. She got up. She didn't just sit there and say, well, I'm just going to pray and just hope God heal me. No, the sister said, I'm getting up. And she knocked down some people. And she said, well, if, I could just, if I could just get my hands on him, and I can imagine the people in the way she was knocked him out of the way. If I, get, I know I'm going to be made well. Boom. Amen. And immediately the scripture says, Amen. not when she was sitting there, not when she could have been sitting there waiting, immediately when she touched him with what? Yeah. 
faith, she was made what? Well. well. She touched him. And, and that's, not even, that's not even the good part. The good part is that there was a whole bunch of people. You know, every time Jesus went somewhere, there was a whole bunch of people clamoring, hanging on him because they wanted to be healed. They wanted him to feed him. They needed some of him. So people were always pushing. I mean, Jesus, the disciples were like a little security detail. They had to keep people away from him. You know, because sometimes, you know, even, even the little kids, they want to come to Jesus. And they try to say, oh, wait a minute, keep the kids away. Jesus, no, 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 suffer not the little children to come unto me. Don't, don't let them alone. Let them come. So Jesus will always had people touching him and pushing on him. But this one woman, she touched him. And he says, whoa. And he said to the disciples, disciple says, uh, Jesus, who touched me? And the disciples looked at him like, are you like nuts? People are always touching you. There's a whole bunch of people touching you. What are you talking about? Jesus, no, no, no. You don't understand. Somebody touched me. No, somebody really touched me. Not like everybody else. See, everybody else, they're touching me. They're hoping. They just want to see. They're not really sure. They're not, you know, they're doubting. They're, they don't know. They heard a couple of things. No, no. But this, somebody touched me with faith. They believed that before they touched me, that something was going to happen. And when this woman got up, it got his attention. Let me tell you somebody to get God's attention real quick. Your faith. Action. It's a story of one who was a paraplegic, that this brother, as one, one passage in the scripture, that, that this brother needed a healing. And, and the Bible said they cut a roof, in the, cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down. And Jesus healed him. Why? Faith. Faith that comes with action. That I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. Jesus told the man who needed healing for 38 years, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now, if he would have stayed there, he would have stayed there. Jesus, you get up, take up your bed, and walk. Faith always is accompanied by a corresponding action. You believe in God for something? Then what, what, what action? What faith? What are you doing that suggests you really believe that God is going to change your situation? What faith? What have you done? What are you doing? Are you just saying that you hope, or are you really touching God with faith? I used to watch uh, boxing. I don't like boxing anymore because it's not what it used to be. I grew up in old school, and there were real boxers, like Muhammad Ali and, you know, Kearns and Sugar Ray Leonard. My daughter looked at me like, what's wrong? Who is that? These were, these were George Foreman. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me do it. When boxing was like a real, you know, like people used to like, Everybody at home would sit down on the TV and watch when those guys fought. And I used to love to watch Sugar Ray Leonard because Sugar Ray Leonard was, he was all flashy. And he was quick, but then he would, you know, and then he would get every now and then he would get up in there, he'd go pop, 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 And then I used to be like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And he got sent back on the rope, his head's going like that. And Sugar Ray Leonard, pop, 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 pop. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, we used to call it, that was like a flurry of punch. He just like, he just flashed. Well, Hebrews chapter number 11 is a story of all those who walked in faith, and they really believed God. And so the writer spends a whole chapter talking about, by faith they did this, by faith they did that, by faith they did And, and so, so here, right at the end, 
the writer in Hebrew is kind of like doing this little flurry of action. It's like, boom, 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 boom. He's just, he just kind of bringing it home. Can I bring it home for you? Hebrews chapter number 11. Y'all didn't say amen. Y'all want me to bring it home? Amen. amen. Come on. You ready to go home? Amen. Don't say amen too quick to that. All right. All right here we go. And we're finished. This is the last verse we're going to read. Watch this. Watch this. Hebrews chapter number 11, start at verse number 30. Are you there? Hebrews 11, verse 30. Watch this. He said, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Now, remember that flurry I was talking about. Watch him now. Watch it. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would not fail me. Uh, to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed into, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves on the earth. All these having obtained a good testimony through what? Faith. Faith. They did not receive the promise, but God haven't provided something better for us that they should be made. They should not be made perfect apart from us. In other words, the story is still being written and you're a part of it if you're children of faith. So the question this morning God has for us, you say you believe God? Then where's the proof? We have a responsibility because, see, we're living in a time right now where, 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 where they're saying that, that we're supposed to be silent, Christian, that you're supposed to be real tolerant of other faith and religion. You're just supposed to just, no, 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 no. Faith in God means I do what he says, no matter what everybody else say, no matter what it looks like, or let me catch this. No matter what happens to me. These folks that we just read about, real faith, the Bible says some of them were sawed in too. They overcame. So how many know they overcame some stuff? But they, they died in faith still knowing that they had obtained the promises of far off. They knew they still had it. You, how many know if you're born again, you can't lose? <laughs> See, you got, but see, you got to have a spiritual perspective. See, if you got an earthly perspective, that's the way you look at stuff. But, but see, you win. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe you heard this word.